Lloyd Gosling. This podcast is brought to you by Lloyd Gosling, Rochelle and Townsend. Lloyd Gosling is about a 30 attorney firm located in Austin, Texas, specializing in natural resources, litigation, and employment law. My name is Lauren Kalashek, and I'm the firm's managing director and the host of this podcast. Our purpose of the podcast is to really talk to some of our practice area experts about timely topics and trends in a more informal setting and in a way that we hope can be a little bit of fun and provide some information to our listeners. Today, we're pleased to have with us Ty Embry, who is the chair of our governmental relations practice group. So welcome, Ty. And maybe let's start with giving our listeners a little bit of your background and kind of what you've been up to as a part of your practice. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me today on the podcast and look forward to talking to you and the audience about the legislature and election results and what we can anticipate we'll see from the legislature this spring. Yes, yeah, so I worked up at the Capitol for State Representative Beverly Woolley in 1995, had a really good experience, went off to Baylor Law School in Waco and came back and was the general counsel for State Senator Buster Brown, worked in his Capitol office and had a great experience. And then he asked me to move over to the Senate Natural Resources Committee that he was chairman of. And I became general counsel of that committee and got to exposure to all kinds of water issues and natural resources issues that uh, have really benefited me my career so far. And then I left the legislature to come to Lloyd Gaslink on January 1, 2003, and have been here ever since and have been working on government relations issues for the, the clients of the firm and have really enjoyed working for those clients and helping them with their legislative needs. Great. And so I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the election in November and then also kind of what we can expect looking forward to the next legislative session. So maybe let's start with the election results from November. Kind of what are your key takeaways there and what should what should folks be paying attention to? Yes. And I'll focus, you know, most of the comments will focus on the election result. It relates to the state of Texas, Texas legislature. Elections matter. Elections have consequences. Those are cliches, but boy, they become true, more true every day. It was really fascinating to watch, you know, look at the results and analyze the results from the November 3rd general election. You know, nationally, we've seen how the presidential election has played out, and we've seen the U.S. Senate and U.S. Congress and how we're still waiting on a couple of races in Georgia and for their special election on January 5th to see how the U.S. Senate will look from a political party standpoint, makeup. But in Texas, even with the significant turnout we've had, I'll get into that here in a second, the political party makeup for the Texas House and the Texas Senate have pretty much remained the same, which is, I think, surprising to some people considering the amount of interest and the amount of money that was involved in in those races. But yeah, from a voter uh, turnout standpoint, you know, nationally, I think we set some records around 66% participation, voter eligible population, which I think is the largest number since uh, 1990 or uh, since 1960s, the 1960s, and then even before that, 1900s. So huge turnout nationally. And then the Texas turnout numbers pretty much mirrored that. It was 60, around 66% of voter, the registered voted um, in the in this general election. And that was the highest number in Texas since 1992 
the presidential election in 1992 when President George H.W. Bush and Ross Perot were both on the two Texas, you know, one people that had a lot of Texas ties were on the presidential election ballot. So that was, I think it like 73%, but there was 8 million people that voted, whereas I think we had 17 million that voted in this past in Texas in the November 3rd election. So I think that shows you the growth in the state of Texas when we've, you know, in in less than 30 years, we've doubled, more than doubled the amount of people that are voting in presidential elections. But even as much as we've seen as far as voter turnout and increased numbers, increased population, the like I said, the makeup of the House and the Senate and Texas legislature really didn't change that much. In the House, it was 83 Republicans, 67 Democrats before November 3rd, and we're coming out of November 3rd elections at the same number. The, each party, the Republicans flipped one Texas House seat, the Democrats flipped one, so they kind of evened each other out. So the numbers of Republicans and Democrats are going to have stayed the same, even with, like I said, the significant amount of money that came in, invested in those races, both from internally in Texas, Texas sources of funding and external, you know, uh, outside of Texas sources of funding. So, and then in the Senate, it was 19 Republicans, 12 Democrats. That was switched by one. It's now 18 Democrats, or excuse me, 18 Republicans, 13 Democrats. And the one seat that flipped was state Senator Pete Flores had won a special election two years ago to take over a state Senate seat that runs from San Antonio to far West Texas, Fort Stockton and beyond. And that had historically been, I think, a Democratic seat for 100 years. But Pete Flores won that seat as a Republican. So that made the numbers 19 to 12 in the the 2019 regular session. But in now that State Representative Roland Gutierrez, as a Democrat, beat Pete Flores, that makes that number 18 Republicans to 13 Democrats. So that's really the only change between the two houses as far as numbers. And that, of course, impacts the Texas legislature and issues and how they will deal with issues during this upcoming session. Those are the election results, voter turnout numbers. There's a lot of data, of course, that people are still analyzing that's been fascinating to watch and read. And so it really does kind of tee things up, like you said, for the upcoming session. What are folks in the know like you thinking about in terms of the upcoming session? What are going to be some of the big issues that are going to be tackled? And what should the state, those of us in the public in the state, be planning for? Yeah, thank you, Lauren. Good question. You know, I think one of the big, the new twist to this <laughs> this upcoming regular session that starts on January 12th is the COVID and the pandemic and how we're handling that. And just so kind of give a timeline before I talk about the logistics of the session and the unique logistics. So by in the Texas Constitution, it says that le- Texas legislature will meet for 140 days every two years and gives you the start date, which is the second Tuesday in January, which is January 12th. And so we know when it'll start and we know it'll end on May 31st, Memorial Day. That'll be the 140th day. It'll be sine die, which is the Latin term for without days. And that will be the end of the regular session. And, you know, the joke that you always hear pretty much all around Texas is there's people that wish that the legislature would meet for two days every 140 years. And so, yeah, by Texas constitution, they meet for 140 days every two years. And they'll be, logistically, it's going to be very unique in that, you know, they're going to have to social distance. They're going to have to figure out how to handle all the health and safety protocols that have been put in place 
for the public and try to hold a regular session in that setting and yet still keep the public involved. So you hear all kinds of you know, thoughts and ideas and the legislators are working on how to handle things. You know, one of the thoughts is that they'll come in, the legislators will come in on January 12th, adopt rules for the House and Senate. The House will elect a speaker and they'll recess for 30 days and come back in February. And just to try to get some distance and they'll, they'll still meet um, potentially virtually if the House rules are changed, the Senate rules are changed to allow people to meet virtually and committees to meet virtually because currently the rules don't allow that in either chamber. But they'll still have contact, but they won't be in public is one of the things that you keep hearing a lot. Another way of logistics that they can try to address this is having committee hearings spread out throughout the week. Typically, they try to have committee hearings at the beginning of the week so that the legislators can go home later in the week um, when they've done their work. But they're thinking they'll, to spread the members out and the public out, they'll have committee hearings Monday through Friday all day long, which is a different twist to how they've done it in the past. And so another thing you hear a lot is what the legislature in the regular session will look like in January and what it looks like in May are going to be totally different because of the vaccines that we hear that are being developed and are close to being distributed and how those, how widely those vaccines are distributed. We don't know. But that's the thought is that what they do in January and what they do in May could be totally different within the same regular session, which is really unique. So logistically, I don't think anybody in our lifetime, like I've said before, I I need to do a little research, history research. I'm a history buff. How did the Texas legislature handle the Spanish influenza pandemic in 1918-1919? Be curious to see how the legislature handled that 100 years ago. But clearly none of us have ever lived through a regular session of the Texas legislature during a pandemic. So it'll be fascinating to see how that works. But one thing I do think will happen is that these, you know, Texarkana Day at the Capitol or Panola County Day at the Capitol, I just don't think those kind of events and, you know, like Nurses Day, a particular profession will not have their day at the Capitol, particularly in January and February, just because this, the members and staff understandably are, un, are worried about members of the public going door to door to door at the Capitol in, in a pandemic with the potential that they could spread COVID. So that'll be a definite change from past sessions. So it's going to, it's definitely going to look different. And then, you know, the, there's another unique part of this upcoming session and that they have to deal with redistricting. And, you know, we do the census, as everybody knows, every 10 years. And then the next regular session after a census, the legislature deals with redistricting and redrawing the boundaries to reflect the new population numbers that they've been given by the federal government, the U.S. Census Bureau. So the legislature will have to redistrict Texas House of Representatives positions, Texas Senate positions, uh, district boundaries, and U.S. congressional boundaries. That's what they'll work on. Now, the Texas Constitution says they have to deal with them in regular session, and but they can it can be continued into special sessions, but they at least have to start it during regular session. And so they will start redistricting, and that'll really take up a lot of time, and it's always a very political process. So that'll be something that's unique that they'll have to deal with. And then We're going to have state budget issues for the first time in in several years. We've had a very healthy economy. The oil and gas industry in Texas has been very strong and it's generated a lot of tax revenue for the state. But, you know, we've gotten hit with a double whammy of COVID and the pandemic, which has altered a lot of economic behavior, a lot of tax sales tax money been affected negatively for the state and along with local governments. 
And then you also had the international oil and gas war between Saudi Arabia and Russia that's really affected the price of a barrel of oil and which is affected negatively, which has affected the production, which has then affected the severance tax and the amount of tax revenue that the state generates that helps fund the state budget. So between the oil and gas woes and the COVID, the state's facing a very significant shortfall. And, you know, the state legislature, that's the one bill they're required to pass every session is the state budget. And they do it on it for a two-year cycle until the next time they meet. And so they're going to spend a lot of time likely going to special sessions to deal with the state budget shortfalls that our state is facing. So when people ask me, what are the issues you see coming for the next session, state budget, redistricting, those two are the big major ones that will soak up a lot of time and effort. But I also think you'll see how does the state respond to the current pandemic and any future pandemics? What have we learned from our experience dealing with it in 2020? We're looking at police reform, social justice issues based on what our country has experienced over the past year. Um, you can already tell from the bills that have been filed, which the you can start filing bills that the legislators were able to start filing bills on November 9th. You can tell from the bills that have already been filed. I think we're around 700, 800 bills that have been filed. You can tell that police reform is going to get a lot of attention. There's been a lot of bills filed that in different parts of that equation as far as police reform. And then I think you'll see a property tax cleanup bill from Senate Bill 2 from last session. Anytime there's a huge bill that is passed, be it flooding, school finance, any kind of big bill, like a property tax reform bill is as significant as Senate Bill 2. There's always a cleanup bill when they when you when the, the bill is implemented and people on the ground are able to see what tweaks need to be made to the law to make it more clear. So I think you'll see that. As far as our client base, uh, you know, that includes a lot of governmental entities, I think you're going to see revisions to the Open Meetings Act because that's something that I think a lot of governmental entities have gotten uh, more familiar with and comfortable with work, uh, having meetings, holding meetings virtually. And so, you know, you're going to see, I think, a revisions to the Open Meetings Act to enable governmental entities to hold more meetings virtually using video technology more so than they've been able to in the past. So that's something that I know a lot of people are, are going to be following and are going to be interested in. So those are kind of the big picture issues that I think that you're going to see for this upcoming session. And I think the legislature's got a lot on its plate, to say the least. Yeah, it's definitely going to be, like you said, a different type of session, just logistically, and then all of these big picture issues. And, you know, as you noted, all of the bills that have already been filed, I was pretty interested to see. I think I saw it like by noon on November 9th, there were, there were already 500 bills filed. So there's, I guess, some pent up demand for some legislation, even in a challenging time. One thing uh, that maybe you didn't cover, maybe we should touch on briefly before we wrap up is, uh, uh, did you want to mention anything going on about the uh, speaker's race? You know, we had some development over the past couple of weeks, and how are we seeing that play out, and how, what do we expect to see come January on Speaker of the House? Yes, thank you. There's been a lot of development since November 3rd, since the election. You know, usually... Speaker races, of course, are one of the more interesting political races um, out there because it's the members, the legislators are electing one of their own. It's not the public electing somebody to be a, a leader of part of the legislature, the House. And things are always done very much behind the scenes. We probably have gotten more of a glimpse 
of what's going on in this speaker's race because of Twitter and, and legislators tweeting about what's going on. Um, so that's been fascinating to watch, but usually it's a behind the scenes member relations deal. And so I think it was surprising. We knew that Speaker Bonin had said he wasn't running for re-election. He was, so which meant he wasn't going to be speaker for the upcoming, you know, session and, and this starts in 2021. So everybody knew we needed a new speaker, that there was going to be a new speaker. But the members, I think it was fascinating. They just, they were kind of in a holding pattern because they were really trying to see how this, the elections came out in November because that thought potentially with all the money that was pouring into the state and all the interest at the presidential level on down, the thought was potentially the Democrats could flip the House, pick up nine seats. They would have the, the majority of numbers in the Texas House, then that would help determine the speaker race. So a lot of people were in a holding pattern. Then once the results came out and it was clear that the Republicans were going to control, keep their numbers the same and have the, the majority of the members in the House, then things move very quickly. And within a week, State Representative Dade Phelan from Beaumont had the pledges of support from more than 76 legislators. And in fact, I think he's got over 100 pledges of support. So he is going to be the, the speaker on elected speaker on January 12th of the Texas House. And so it's been interesting to see Representative Phelan put his team in place. He's hired chief of staff, Julia Rathgaver, and hired, he worked, Representative Phelan has a unique experience of having worked up at the Texas Capitol before as a staffer on the House and Senate side, and he worked for State Senator Tommy Williams. And Representative Phelan hired Tommy Williams former Senator Tommy Williams to help him with his transition and really lean on his former boss to help him fill in his team to be Speaker of the Texas House. So you're starting to see wheels in motion and Representative Phelan is putting things in place to help the legislature get up and running as soon as possible on January 12th. And so it was the list of pledges from Speaker-elect Phelan had both Democrats and Republicans. So he had support on both sides of the aisle. And he's somebody who has been in a leadership position. He was chairman of the the House State Affairs Committee, which has tackled a lot of significant, important bills last session and and in past sessions. So he's He's gotten a lot of legislative experience, and it'll be interesting to see what style he uses for the Texas House and how how he sets the tone for the upcoming legislative session. And that is a major development that has occurred since November 3rd, and it happened really fast. And that it's human nature, and it's the way the speaker races typically go, that once momentum gets going and people feel like they're going to, a legislator feels like they're going to get left out and they're not going to be on the winning team, they jump as fast as they can on the winning team. So it's, you definitely saw that happen in the case of speaker-elect feeling. And I guess for somebody that does, you know, a lot of work in the natural resources area, water water area. It's good to see somebody, Representative Phelan, Speaker-elect Phelan, that has the experience he does because he was vice chairman of the House Natural Resources Committee in 2017, the previous session. And, you know, he's been on several boards of water entities in, in Southeast Texas where he's from. So he's very familiar with water issues. He was very instrumental in the flooding legislation that passed in 2019 because of his experience in his district, which received significant, unbelievable amounts of water and rain during the flooding episodes in Harvey and and even post-Harvey. So he's going to be, I think, 
coming to the speaker position with a lot of experience in the natural resources area, which is always a good thing. Yeah, so definitely a lot to pay attention to coming January and see how things unfold. And Ty, certainly really appreciate you taking some time to give us your thoughts about really what you're thinking about going into this next session. So anything else you want to mention to our listeners before we wrap up? Yes. And just one final comment. I think the legislators are going to try to do their best to involve the public. So please try to stay involved in any way you can. And the internet and the technology we have today will enable people to still be in touch with their legislators and follow the process during a pandemic, which is, you know, something I guess is great for our society is that we can still stay plugged in during a pandemic. And final thing is that if you need help and our clients that are listening to this, if you have legislative issues, of course, get in touch with me and, and our team at Lloyd Gosling and we can help you and uh, make sure your interests are served at Texas legislature and look forward to doing that for you. All right. Well, thanks again so much, Ty. And, and we hope all of our listeners have a great rest of their day. And thanks for tuning in. Take care. If you would like more information about what you've heard today, please visit lglawfirm.com. You can also find us at Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views, nor are they endorsed by Lloyd Gosling Law Firm. None of this content should be considered legal advice, as one should always consult a lawyer. This podcast is not intended for commercial purposes and is made available at no cost. Music for the podcast is from album Jazz U and is titled By the Coast 2004-2007 by Anthony Frejikov. License under the attribution non-commercial share-alike license is available on Free Music Archive. To learn more, visit by clicking the link in today's summary.